it's time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path. Off the beaten path. We're off. Podcast, 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 podcast. We're doing a podcast. podcast we're doing podcast. a conga line, but none of you can see it. That's right. And we're not together yet. We are still on Zoom. Hopefully. <laughs> Soon. 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 Now it's your logistics. Now yeah. it's just getting us in a place at the same time. Like it's, That's let's the do it in your room, Scott. Well, I've I thought of I've I think I have a plan. I think <laughs> I have a plan. I mean, you're the ones that are gonna do Can we do it in your room, Scott? We can absolutely do it in my room. We can do we it in my could- closet. We can do it in my closet. Whoa. Whoa. You, CJ's been in my closet before. <laughs> yeah. We, we did drugs in my closet once. Stop. Wow. Stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> welcome the Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater m- nerds. Yeah. Remember, we changed that. I got to change it in the. In hold on. The, the thing. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. Did you like what I did there? It so did. that we don't you sing words twice. Right, right. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah, theater you got makers. it. You got it. I got okay. you. Yeah, yeah. I, can I tell you something? Oh, good. Great. It's something. a struggle. What? Sure. Um, can I, I finish re- the intro first? Or do oh, I'm wanna... sorry. My bad. <laughs> I had a theater thing to talk about. Okay, I'm saving it. Real quick. Yeah. As always, to (laughs) cleanse our palate between playwrights, we offer you another bonus episode of Theater, Theater, and Stuff, where we pick theater-adjacent things and nerd out over them. And this week is a CJ's pick. What is it, Siege? It's the film The Great Race. Mm. Film. The film. 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 The great directed race. by Blake Edwards in That's 1965. Great. And why did you choose this? This was another movie that popped on on AMC all the time when mm. I was a kid. And my dad would say, hey, let's sit down and watch this. So it was a CJ dad movie. And I just loved it from then on yeah. out. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Scott, what was that you wanted to tell us? Oh, my God. I'm the worst. I'm sorry. Like, it's a total <gasps> no. fucking digression. The but worst. I'm really excited that I got to read a play with other human beings this wow. past yes. weekend. And it was fantastic. The script is hilarious. Written by a friend of the pod, Patrick Duffy, and our, our good friend. I'm excited yeah. to hear slash see that script. Were you guys all in the same room? We we sat outside. It was a lovely afternoon out in his front front yard and in a circle. So we could all like look at each other and like, you know, but it, it was it was it was a blast. And Patrick Duffy was in it. Um, oh, cool. TV, TV's Patrick Duffy, who's the father of Patrick Duffy, the playwright. So that was uh, Dallas, Dallas, uh, Dallas, Dallas. And step by step, you know, no, I see him in some Did, lifetime Christmas movies, a too. lot of lifetime yeah. Christmas movies. He he. He was in on primetime television for like 18 out of 20 years straight. Yeah. Like, because he went from there's Dallas. a board game based off of Dallas. Like, it's yeah, he's, <laughs> he's huge. He was huge. He, he has game pieces that look like him, that look so like he's him. a big deal. But anyway, so uh, I got to do that and I was excited awesome. and it just felt like, oh my god, like it's it's tangible that we can perform again. But I didn't mean to digress too much from. 
the great no, and this that's so great because it is a movie, but there, it's got a lot of theater adjacent. Oh things. my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm just excited to get back into theater y'all. I'm just excited to direct something again, produce something again. I was talking to somebody today about producing some cabarets outdoors in thousand Oaks. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do some, do this. I don't let's care. do yeah. this. Absolutely. Um, but to bring it back, we are covering the 1965 film, the great race. And as always, we, we got to give our context, uh, on why uh, or what our experiences are with this film. So Siege kind of already gave hers. Is there anything deeper you want to go into about this, your relationship with this? Um, I have seen it so many fucking times. I used to sit my friends down every year and make them watch it for my birthday. Those, that was many moves. I think I made, like, in the beginnings of our friendship, Scott, I may yeah, have made yep. them watch it. Yeah. Um, I have and- movies like that, too, that I'm... I, Tommy might have been one of those movies. Showgirls <laughs> is another one of mine. Yes. <laughs> we stand uh, Showgirls. Yeah. Yes. And I just, um, I can't wait to hear what y'all say about Jack Lemmon because I I am dying to someday use one or both of those characters as inspiration to build something else. Right. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot to say here. Um, Scott, what's your experience? Oh, I had seen it uh, uh, as a kid. It was like, yeah, it was like on Turner Classic Movies or AMC or something like that. Uh, My dad was a big film buff. Both my folks are, but my dad was a big film buff. And then when the first wave of videotape, videotape, beta, beta, Hit, like um that's when I, I saw it quite a bit and I was a little kid so I had a lot of memories but I hadn't seen it in a very long time uh, until until prepping for for this it had probably been whatever that because yeah you're right CJ it was probably like 12 years ago <laughs> we've known each other a long oh my God, time I'm old. yeah uh Man. you're old fucking old old Aww. hey there you the 30 year old what about you no we're yeah. all old we're all old here uh I, i'll be honest i and we're all young here let's be straight up we're we're <laughs> all super young here until you're in your like hundreds i think you can still claim youth um <laughs> good safe number thank you yeah, yeah uh. you're welcome uh i had never even heard of this movie wow uh it might have crossed my path at some point. Like, I, I'm sure I, you know, I knew Natalie Wood growing up. I was a huge West Side Story fan. I knew Jack Lemmon from, like, Odd Couple and things like this. But I I, I don't know how this one escaped me. I have, there. this is a big uh, hole for me in my pop culture. It's a big gap for me. Uh, I don't like it. So now I have seen it. I'm really excited to talk about it. It does, though, remind me of a lot of movies i did love as a kid i'm sure i would have loved this as a kid because chitty chitty bang bang was huge mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. that fits into and it's a mad very, mad 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 it's a mad 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 world uh, yeah. around the world in 80 de- days which i think is like six or seven years earlier but still is um no it's right around that time people always mentioned planes trains or... and automobiles to me too oh and, yeah yeah oh interesting yeah. yeah and and lest we forget cannonball fucking run and we'll get cannonball run (laughs) that's true but even more so like there's this there's this kind of style um and there's the it's what is it called the marvelous men and their flying machines yes that's another one things like that 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 all almost live in this this same style and i know it's the time 
Um, but Chitty Chitty and this movie share so many uh, similarities. So much it was a weird time in Hollywood because by this point, yeah. Hollywood is suffering because of television. And so it's trying to do these big spectacles. And we should say that The Great Race at the time was the most expensive comedy ever made, ever mm -hmm. made by a studio or, or anyone else. And it's it, they were really a lot of people were struggling for identity. And you see you can even see it here in the concept of this film. You have uh, Blake Edwards directing this flick who'd come off of Breakfast at Tiffany's and had already had a, a, a day of wine and roses with Jack Lemmon, which right. is a marvelous film. So and, he already has an Oscar. Yeah, he's in. already got yeah, he's got he's got cred already, but he's doing an homage to his thing. It's 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 a nostalgia right. film because he's paying tribute to it's a weird thing. He's paying tribute to Three Stooges and that kind of slapstick who were paying homage and were uh I guess, you know, the next step after, you know, Chaplin and Arbuckle and Buster. Which is sort of, and there's like three steps between, uh, you know, who you were just talking about, you know, the, uh, the original Buster sort Keaton, of silent that, comedies. And then you go back all the way to Commedia dell'arte. Oh yeah. You know, right. and vaudeville. Of it's like a that. reference of a reference of a reference of a reference of yeah. a reference, well, but it's just thing, an evolution too. And this was always, this was also such a hard time for Hollywood because they were still grasping on to like, this was the same year. I think that hello Dolly came out, like all of these bloated budget, like, family style films mm -hmm. and you had the sexual revolution going on and maybe the people that are going to be spending money going to these movies don't give a shit to watch these kinds of movies anymore they want something edgier they want something that they can relate to more right and we're only a few years away it's funny because i had um i had just watched lawrence of arabia like like literally a week before watching this again um, and I texted Bailey because they, they they do the whole overture, the big you know big big overture before the movie starts the whole nine yards just like the, the Great Race does, and that had kind of came in out of nowhere in '62 and kind of broken things like people mm -hmm. had seen big things like that before, but Lawrence of Arabia was this huge huge movie about a man's existential crisis, a single individual's existential crisis there's virtually not a single shot that peter o'toole isn't in in that movie and so it turned things on its ear because it fit into what hollywood was looking for sort of a big spectacle but at the same time it appealed to critics and you know film buffs we're also seeing the evolution of film historians and film scholars the rise of film schools that are all happening right now like all those dudes who five years after this movie are going to change Hollywood are in college right now. Your Spielbergs, your Martin Scorsese's, you know, all that list that goes on and on and on. Uh, that's all happening at this time. So it's a fascinating time to watch this movie. And, you know, it, it, it's a mess in a lot of ways, but it's like this glorious <laughs> mess that you just like you're kind of charmed by. You can't help it. It is a bit of a mess, but in the way that like Looney Tunes are. Right? Sure, for sure. I, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm kind of going like, oh, they kind of know that that looks shitty. Like they kind of like, <laughs> yeah. because there are things that don't look shitty. So you're like, oh, they know that that looks silly because it maybe even adds a laugh there a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, 
a lot of great bit work in this one that I'm excited to talk about. But I want to start from the beginning, which I've talked about this at least twice on this podcast. Um, I love a movie that opens with an overture. Here, 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 here. Yes. I'm all about it. All day, every day. It's yeah. a perfect opening. And then they're introducing the characters and you get to see, you know, and sort of like same with Chitty Chitty. You get like a race at the beginning. And you're kind of like, whoa, cars. Yeah. And everything is really fun. Um, and the music is good. Uh, and they're doing this amazing melodrama thing where they're booing for the villains and booing and hissing. And they're going, ah, for the, the woman. And they're uh, hooting and hollering for the hero. And... Um, all that stuff is like just fun. I mm-hmm. love that. That's a good oh, opening yeah. to a movie. I'm I'm in. From that moment, I'm like, great, let's go. Right. Yeah. 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 Speaking of openings, shall I do a breakdown? <gasps> Speaking of wide openings, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, CJ. CJ's breakdown. A 1965 homage to silent film and dedicated to Laurel and Hardy. A bold suffragette, a good guy with a sunlight-catching smile, a mustache-twiddling bad guy, and their compatriots embark on a car race from New York to Paris, complete with mistaken identities, constant trickery, and an epic pie fight. That's right. We're going to have to talk about the pie fight because that's a huge part of, like, film history. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not just like a pie fight. It's like people were hurt. People were. Hurt. <laughs> I have some silly little like factoids about the pie fight too. That's great. I think I think we should definitely like at some point walk through like the bits of this movie because there's a lot of good just like bit work, a lot of good big like uh, uh, set piece scenes like that, like the pie. Um, but I think first. It, I think it'd be cool to walk through the the cast a little bit because mm. I don't think I think everybody should go watch this movie. If you haven't seen this movie, you should definitely check it out. But it's a really interesting uh, lineup. Oh, before we do that, let me read you the taglines for this movie. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because there's only three. Um. So, I mean, only three. Usually, there's just one. Uh, <laughs> sometimes there's like ten for older movies and stuff. But this one, this is what you get. The greatest laugh show of all time. (laughs) Say that again. The greatest laugh show of all time. Of all time. Uh, On the the IMDb poster, it's actually the greatest comedy of all time. But I have a feeling that was like updated. And then you have Total Laughter, the funniest motion picture ever made about the most remarkable auto race ever. Auto race. <laughs> Automobile, as the great Leslie says over and over again. Right. That's right. Oh, and then there is there is one more, but I don't think this was used for any marketing, but it says, the movie with 20,000 miles or 1 million laughs, guaranteed. <laughs> All okay. right, that's cute. It's cute. And you know what? I was sort of constantly in a, I was in a constant chuckle. Yeah. yeah. And ever sustained chuckle through the whole movie yeah it was yeah you just can't help like to have a shit-eating grin on your face because it's it's so gloriously over the top even when Mm -hmm. it gets a little serious or like kind of like um somber and they're like you know they're 
things are not looking so great right now, you're like, yeah, but you're on an iceberg. This is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that scene ago where there was a polar bear in the back of your car? Yeah, exactly. 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 It's, it's good. It's good stuff. Um, but the cast, let's talk cast because like you said, Jack Lemmon Mm -hmm. is in this one. Twice. Uh, Tony Curtis, right. Jack Lemmon plays two different people. Natalie Wood and Peter Falk, who might win Best Supporting Actor in this movie. I mean, this is he's incredible in this. He is he's great. incredible. We should also give a big shout out to Keenan Wynn, who plays Hezekiah. Yo. Who has one of the most insane IMDb lists you'll ever see. True. Like, like I'm a huge fan of him. Obviously, he's in... Doctor Strange Love. Yep. I think is what most people probably think of first. He's Colonel Bat Guano. You're gonna have to answer to the Pepsi Cola company. <laughs> when he has to shoot when he has to shoot, he has to shoot the it's so I, I when he's trying to make the long distance call to stop nuclear war, yes. but he doesn't have enough dimes. Yes. And he's like, I can't I can't shoot that open. That's that's property of the Pepsi Cola company. He's also in the like Annie Get Your Gun movie and mm-hmm. the other, the thing I always think of him in that most people probably don't know much about but is um absent-minded professor oh Mm. yeah yeah absolutely which is what flubber is uh remaking but he's the bad guy in it he's the one who's like trying to stop him and then he's also in son of flubber which Uh is the sequel to absent-minded professor i love the guy He's yeah, hilarious. He's great. He's Honorable great. mention to Vivian Vance. Here, here. Yeah. That's right. So you get, uh, is it Ethel? Is that yes. her name on She's Lucy? Lucy's neighbor. Yeah, Ethel. That's right. Who, by Ethel the way, Mertz. Mertz. Yeah. Who, by the way, is, uh, um, looks, is actually way long, younger than she looks on camera. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like, the black and white, like, aged her up a lot on that show. She was. Huh like a decade younger than I might be talking out of my ass, but I'm 99. No, she was, she was much younger than what's his name who played Fred. Right. Um, yes. He apparently treated her really badly. Oh, what? No. That doesn't surprise me at all. That he was just a bully no. kind of asshole. I mean, he, yeah. had, I mean, he was one of those dudes at that point, by the time he got that gig, he had been around forever and he was like TV. Fuck. Like he, yeah, you know, he felt like he'd hit rock bottom. But yeah, uh, <laughs> she has a good cameo in this, though. A couple good laughs. Uh, she plays well. She's the suffragette. She's like she's leading the charge. Yeah. Back Suff- at home for sure. <laughs> Suff- we should talk about that for a sec. Just I mean, maybe we'll get into it more. But the suffragette stuff, um, I will be honest. And Mary Poppins does this, too, a little bit. Uh huh. Um. But it reduces the suffragette movement a little bit to like, we want jobs. Right. And that's yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want to vote. We she's want trying jobs. to emancipate men, though. She's trying to bring True. sex out in the open, even though supposedly in, in the end she doesn't really like it. It also kind of reminds... More the Natalie Wood character does that, though. The, sure. the negative side of Even it. though she and Tony Curtis hated each other. Right. I read. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this kind of reminds me of now that I'm thinking of it was um, I recently rewatched all of Cheers, and it's this huge joke the whole time that Diane, who's who's Sam's lady in like seasons one through three of Cheers, they're constantly like rolling their eyes, and even you can feel the audience is rolling their eyes at her about like feminism. God, you're such a fucking nag. Can you believe this woman? Can you believe this woman? Oh yeah. In a way that as and 
maybe they meant it that way, but I'm sure there were women sitting on their couches then that were like, preach Diane to CJ in 2021 going, yeah, girl at the TV. And I guess they kind of make it a gag in this movie, but at the same time, I'm sure there are plenty of women that were like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in nineties movies, I mean, nineties sitcoms in general kind of shit the bed on all that stuff. Oh yeah. Golden girls didn't. As a society, <laughs> as a society, and as a world, we did a, we've done a crappy job <laughs> of it. Let's say it like it is. But uh, and also keep in mind, in 1965, although feminism is in place and you know is a thing, it hasn't reached its sort of political epoch. No, that's the wrong word. It's political peak yet. It's not. It's not fully formed in its its powers and uh, as we know it today you know right and i don't i don't think this movie makes it a punchline even i actually think vivian vance is a very strong and natalie wood too are strong characters absolutely really great but it is it is it does it it diminishes it a little bit because it's this giant comedy right so that's all i meant but there is the thing that also mary poppins does this too by making mrs banks a suffragette where the movie sort of has this vibe of isn't it funny that we were so misogynistic in 1908? <laughs> and you know what I mean? Right. It's like, that's how it feels. Mary Poppins has that too, where you're just kind of like, it's like, oh yeah, back in the day was real bad. It's like, yeah, but this is the 60s. It's it's just as bad. Like, <laughs> like you know, so, and, and now we're still having those same conversations and we've beat this horse to death three times, brought it back to life and killed it again and beat it another time but like it it's it's so crazy that this movie now even i'm like yeah that is crazy but we're still doing it we're still (laughs) doing it yeah um there's still a pay gap there's still huge uh misogyny uh and patriarchal structure just set up in all industries especially hollywood and uh theater so you know uh no big deal Gee, turn it down a notch, Gary Steinem. You know what I'm hey. talking about? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I, I joke, but it's it's true. And uh, and what's funny is I, I I watching this this last time I read about a uh, Natalie Wood's fight with Tony Curtis, but also that she'd been pretty much bullied by the head of the studio to do this. Yeah, she didn't yeah. want to do this. She wasn't connected to it. And quite honestly, like. All the criticism you read, if you go back and read through it, are all Natalie Wood is horribly miscast in this movie. And I think I kind of agree with that. But I also just like her because she seems like she seems modern. Like there's a modernity to her versus everybody else that's sort of in another time that that makes it work for me. Uh, And I don't think she's always on in terms of the slapsticky stuff. And right. Um, I had a professor, and I think I've talked about this before on the pod, uh, that you would would watch a rehearsal or watch, you know, a, a class and go, "Hey, you're in a completely different play." And I felt <laughs> like Jack Jack Lemon, especially, was like he was just in a different fucking movie. So How dare you! I don't mean that in a negative way. Because no, I know. Jack Lemon, but like, but you see this dude at the top, the peak of his powers. He's a movie star and he's just like 
eating the sh- the <laughs> shit out of the scenery. He's literally, it's like cut, and he's turning, and he's just biting into the car and like spitting it, like. And yeah, then, but I I would argue that everyone else is not in the right movie, and he is. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're because Peter Falk, who comes from a completely different school, yeah. is, is like, and he's not. Peter Fox, not Peter Fox yet. Like he's not Columbo right. He's yet. not Columbo yet. He's, yeah. He's this sort of goofy, weird looking uh, character actor who's who's been working for a while at this point. But and he's on the level of Jack Lemmon though. He's giving a really weird out there performance that really oh, works. I think he distinctly decided I'm just going to play the opposite. If I go the opposite of whatever Jack Lemmon's doing, energy wise, he's very that, New Yorky the whole it's time. A, it's a oh yeah, he's thing. and it's like you, yeah, he's he's doing, not meeting his energy, but he's in the same mood. He's just like yeah, he's like yin yang. He's judoing it. It's just like I love not, it. Like I'm gonna you know i'm gonna lean away from it let him come to me like and natalie wood has her moments of getting almost cartoon almost looney tunes almost i shouldn't say looney tunes it's hanna barbera it's Mm. you know it's um it's which we should say this was turned into a hanna is it barbera or barbara barbara Barbara. yeah um but it's their uh um wacky races there's the wacky races yeah you can see the care it's the it's the pooch that kind of <laughs> his name's Muttley and there's yeah, Muttley. Dick Dastardly. <laughs> yeah. Dick Dastardly yes. is the bad guy. And actually, shout out to a movie that I loved that got no love uh pre-pandemic was Scoob exclamation point. Oh, I didn't see it. Is it worth it? Here's the deal. Okay. Right? <laughs> this movie is not only great, but it launches a Hanna-Barbera universe where they could make oh. any of those into similar movies because oh, Dick Dastardly is like the bad guy in it and Muttley's in it. And like all these, oh. all these other Hanna-Barbera characters oh, start word. popping up oh, I'm gonna and you start being it. like, Oh, and like the bad, one of the bad guys is like the caveman from the Hanna-Barbera. Uh, I forget his name. This, this filthy caveman It's played by Tracy Morgan and it's brilliant. It's just, <laughs> and it's, and they kind of give a little bit into the, you know, it's a cartoon, but it's like, yeah, like, but also like, Shaggy's probably a stoner. Okay, anyway, like, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's very good. I liked it. I don't know. Uh, How many but Scooby-Doo it, movies have there been now? Like, re- new in the last like, you know, well, the, the, only the, the three. Okay, only the three. Well, well there's because the Matt Lillard one with yeah. right, Freddie Prince Jr. And, Sarah Michelle and Gellar. Sarah Michelle Gellar, which I stan. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson. Plays Scrappy Doo oh. in it. It's really good. Um, <laughs> but as a human. Uh, and then uh, they made a sequel. And that's very, like, Shaggy is a stoner. That that Matt Lillard, like, there's, like, a scene where he's, like, basically. Shaggy's like, oh, the munchies, man. Oh. <laughs> um, so then there's the sequel, which is not so good, called Scooby-Doo 2 Unleashed. Or like ghouls unleashed, or monsters, something. Unleashed. monsters unleashed. Yeah. Not so good. I did see it on a date, like my my eighth grade year of. Aw, that's school. so yeah. cute. Yeah. Um, but not good. Um, and then they made this Scoob movie, which is animated and very fun, and I highly recommend it. It'll probably end up on HBO Max at some point. All right. Yeah, it's anyway. it's it's no, it's a trip because uh, again, we get back to the great race and where it is, but it's also Nexus Point in terms of all that back and forth sharing that ends up happening between TV comedies, cartoons, right. 
the old slapstick Laurel and Hardy Three Stooges classic, you know, silent film yeah. uh, that all draws from is the same well uh, yeah. in terms of slap, you know, slapstick comedy. Right, yeah. and I love all of the uh, the incredibly ridiculous cars in this movie, and especially all the gadgets and things that. Push Jack Lemmon pulls out. <laughs> you mean so Professor Fate? Fate? Professor Fate. What a I had a Professor fucking car Fate. named Professor Fate. Of course yeah. you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what Scott was, was just talking? Uh, it was a, it was a 2004 V6 Pontiac Grand Dam. Oh my God! Oh my that's God, hot. was that thing a gas, a gas, yeah. Gus Gasler? Gus Gasler. <laughs> a gas Gasler. No, what you, what you both were talking about kind of reminds me too of like. I grew up in June, like fifth grade to junior high Animaniacs. And then oh, recently they yeah. put all of them on Hulu and I started rewatching them. And I mean, I didn't know that Steven Spielberg, would he, did he direct them or did he just produce? He was just I think producer. He produced yeah, and created yeah, it, yeah. yeah. But this whole thing. And then, you know, I was also a big Looney Tunes kid. This whole idea of bringing the, the old to the new generation. And it made me realize how much of like Golden Age Hollywood. And they're making jokes about the royals from like the 50s and 60s in Animaniacs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like it's pretty brilliant. It's actually stuff. how I knew The Raven pose the raven yes yes is that hilarious and i i used to know the states because of that song oh right right uh, how about the uh, excuse me the, the countries the countries, <laughs> the countries, the the countries the it was the no they do the yeah. states too yeah but i knew the states from the alabama alaska arizona that might be them though i don't remember <laughs> I, think that, I think that's them but no, it's that was the countries of the world, I think. Right. Yeah. That shit. Legit. No. Can I also give a quick shout out? We talked about Vivian Vance, but I want to give a shout out to Dorothy Provine, who was Lily Olay. Right. And she, I think, steals it because she's so note perfect she understands all that comedy the timing the size of it how big it is she comes in she does that scene or scenes but it's pretty quick there in the middle uh and then she's out but she i just uh, she just charmed the shit out of me she would have been a better casting in my opinion for uh ado annie in the oklahoma movie right 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 absolutely you know what i mean like remember how little we liked that performance um (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah Um, we should also say that the year before this or like two years before this i think um uh tony curtis and natalie wood did sex and the single girl together right Uh and that like you were saying earlier cj that was when apparently their relationship was not so great on that flick like they did not really get along so when they were cast in this one it was sort of like look they're back together but they were like Oh, I thought Tony Curtis was the one that he she didn't get along with. That's what I said. Did I say oh, Jack Lemon? I thought you said Jack Lemon. Um, I, no, I meant I Tony also, Curtis. I could also be high. So. Erase it all. Uh, Erase it all. No. Double but it. I, either way, what I meant to say is Tony Curtis and Natalie Wood had done Sex and the Single Girl the year right. before. Their relationship was not so great. Uh, so this was sort of them like returning to the screen together as we would with like other couples, you know. Oh my gosh, they're in another movie together, like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan kind of thing. Well, and I also read, and this, I mean, 
it wasn't surprising to me when I read it, but it also kind of tinged this movie for me was Natalie Wood complained of regular sexual harassment from Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon during this. Oh, film. wow. Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm so, sure, you know, especially at that day and age, you know, there there was no holds barred. So like, yeah. And she, there's also the fantastic HBO documentary about Natalie Wood that came out last right. year, yeah. um, which I highly recommend to everybody. But she was just at a point in her life where like she was, yeah, she, she was just under such pressure, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and um, so the fact that she she didn't have a good time on this, you know, it doesn't show, uh, mm-hmm. you, she, you know, she's, she looks like she's having she's fun. A, she's a trooper. Yeah, she uh, might be the only one in the pie scene who's like really taking like hard pies to the face <laughs> and it's yeah. still like really giving it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Didn't like Jack Nick, Jack Lemon got knocked out or got yeah. like a black eye because he got, and then they all. They all saved pies and then got Blake Edwards when the when the when it was wrapped. They went yeah. attacked and him. Watch the movie. All oh, this pie scene. So this is the biggest pie fight in a movie ever, still to this day. To this day, uh, which I mean makes sense. When have you ever seen another pie fight in a movie? It took them five days to shoot it. Yeah, five days of it, and they said that they were finding it in crevices for weeks, that it was just like pie was just everywhere, and it was rotting, and it was doing all this weird shit. But the worst part is that these are full pies. These are not like whipped cream. It's not whipped cream in a tin pan at all. You can see the crust. You can see (laughs) the weight of these things as they throw them. There's one point where Natalie Wood has one in her hand, and she's throwing it, but it's like too heavy for her, and it slips out (laughs) of her hand, and you're like, like, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and they're they're round as they're not like even normal sized pies. They're big old pies, and they're hitting people, and there's jelly going everywhere, and you can see it getting in their eyes and stuff. And you're just like, I bet someone died. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, we should say Death that um, uh, Blake Edwards was inspired uh, to 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 do this scene because of Doctor Strangelove. Right. And where they filmed a huge pie sequel. You can now see it like on the DVDs and Blu-rays, but uh, it was cut from the film. Right. The ending, which was good. Like it served the film better. But that he was inspired to do a huge mega mega pie fight because of because they'd heard about that. I think Kubrick had shown him like the, the outtakes of it and stuff. When I was a senior in college, that was the year that the Regis got to take um, fighting choreography. And we just kind of had an easy, it must have been like our last day before break, where our teacher encouraged each one of us to bring a fight scene. And it could be any kind of choreography. Because at this point, we covered several different types of fighting choreography. And I brought this one. And he was thrilled about it. Because, <laughs> I mean, th- something that I love about, I mean, I love a lot of different things about this film. But there are so many highly choreographed fight scenes you have yeah. the shootout in the bar yeah you have the huge fight you have this huge sword fight between leslie and like the right hand man in eastern europe where they switch kinds of swords several different times uh tony curtis and natalie wood fence in the beginning like yeah. which she took lessons uh to actually do so it's it's really her doing it which is awesome um I guess he had done it growing up because of course he had. Um, But uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of that good slapstick, a lot of good stage combat and things. Um, There's a whole lot of good like swing duck hit the wrong guy. 
you know yeah. like oh yeah oh yeah i think that happens like eight times in the movie where <laughs> yeah. like someone swings for a punch someone else ducks and you hit someone else like that shit's funny i love that stuff all day and it's well timed mm-hmm. um it's it's like crouching tiger hidden dragon choreography sometimes where you're like oh <laughs> shit like well and, good. and the other thing you know and and this hit me when i was watching lawrence of arabia and then as i'm watching this and going there's not a single cg shot in this yeah. this is all practical and yeah back in the day and you you forget like the you just look my brain as a director is going through logistics like how do you get all those cars like how do you get the cars how do you get all the people like all of it like to work and to, and to work because they had to build those fucking cars those yeah, crazy machines true. like the horrible was, yeah there's, there's like there's also some really great moments specifically one of my favorite bits of the whole movie is something you could really easily sort of miss uh but they <laughs> what i'm just remembering it now it's been like three weeks since i watched it it's still so funny where <laughs> they keep accidentally blowing up the west wing of his house oh, yes. right. <laughs> of of professor fate's house and uh but every but they keep doing it which means they keep he has to keep rebuilding it between every time that they blow Who's it up financing this where does he get his money a professor salary falls, right but when it falls it kind of looks like just like building blocks yeah yeah, yeah 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 like some poof of smoke but it's so funny and that's what i meant at the beginning where it's like sometimes it looks like they're like yeah and that's gonna look shitty because that's funny right you know like yeah. it is it is really funny one of my favorite bits of the whole movie though is the uh down periscope stuff Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down periscope, and it goes down too far. And then, you know, it's going back up and down, up and down. Like, that shit is just, it's just good. And you know that somebody had a blast building that contraption to make it happen that way. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love that stuff. We should talk about <laughs> the second movie that's contained within the mo- within the whole movie, where all of a sudden we have this whole secondary plot, and Jack Lemmon shows up as, uh, what's his name? Prince oh. Friedrich Hapnick. And um, he's it's, it's just this whole fucking secondary thing. It's interesting, but we've talked a lot on this podcast about plays that could cut the second act. This uh-huh. is a play that could cut the second act. Oh, no. for sure. sure. No, I, I love mean, him so much. It does mean you lose like the iceberg and the polar bear. And, and the pie fight. It's really. What's the, uh, what, yeah, if you don't, because that's part of the pie fight. Is that it's long, y'all? It's long. Run. What's the I to- never mix my pies. <laughs> <laughs> What's the total runtime? It's like what three? It's almost three. No, I think it's, it's two and a half. It's above two and a half. Hold on, now look- come on. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. We're all it, looking it up. Let's. It see feels like four, but it two but hours it and forty minutes. Two hours forty. Yeah. yeah it's do- how dare the both of you? No, but it's it's I'm kidding. I never I was never bored. Like I said, I still was giggling the whole movie. I was still with it. But then there was a point where I went, what hour are we? In? <laughs> like, where, where's this going? What's I feel the- that when it gets to the iceberg section, that's exactly. when I'm like, I don't need Siberia. But they right. have to explain how the fuck they get across all that water. Right. That well, is yeah, one the- of those times. I think that's when I made the note. This is yeah. the part I don't. Uh-huh. Need. Cool. Like, I'm still laughing. Uh, what's because one of the things I kept like Brian Krasner, my roommate, and I were maybe smoking weed, maybe a little bit while we maybe. watched this. Maybe, yeah, maybe. maybe. And so it Mayhaps. was like about like at about like hour 40. Uh, Krasner's like, 
what course are they taking around the world? <laughs> like, how are they getting there? Like, uh, okay. We should say this is based on an actual race that happened. Right. And uh, there had actually been an attempt, uh, I think, by Spielberg in the late 80s to redo this, but to tell the actual story. Like, right. And really get into, like, the mechanics of the car and all nope. that. They did it, that. It's called Hidalgo. And thank it's really you. <laughs> um, <laughs> starring Aragorn. Um, Strider. That was on a horse, Strider. right? It was on a horse. I was making a terrible joke. A horse that could run on water. Yeah. Or did he jump icebergs the whole way? I don't know. Was... He was a Pegasus. He was a Pegasus. He could fly. He could fly he could across fly. the ocean. But it was this a is my... fly. Yeah. This is my exact note I took uh, during the iceberg scene. You ready? Yes. Well, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Well, there's about an hour beginning with the intermission that I could just pluck right out of here and never miss it. I don't know. God damn, it's funny. I, I don't know if I would. I, I think I, for, I forgave all this shit. Like, yeah. the, the excess of it is so awesome yeah. that you just have to embrace it. It's like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang runs. Right. Like when they go to yeah. the, the Baron the baron's castle and there's all the orphans they have to save and the <laughs> child catcher yeah you could cut that out that's a solid hour yeah, oh, yeah. That oh and it terrified me terrified me as a child terrified me i have friends that still won't watch that movie because they're like no it's the child so catcher and i'm like oh that's a great scene and they're like all i remember is him being like lollipops yeah. <laughs> ice uh, cream and all free day <laughs> mm-hmm. That uh, came out. That was an Ian Fleming. Children. Ian Fleming wrote the book. That's right. Chitty Ian Chitty Fleming Bang. of of Bond fame. Bond fame. Writer of Bond. Yeah. Another Bond. thing I love about Great Race that it does well, which if it's doing an homage to silent film, it has to do well, is the whole idea of musical themes. Oh the yeah. The good guy has a theme song. The bad guy has a theme song. The lovers couple has a theme song. And I mean, you can't. I'm always down for a sing along, which comes in Act Two, which also probably a scene you didn't necessarily need of yeah. Natalie Wood playing the lute and singing, and there's bouncing lyrics across the bottom of the screen. Right. Well, I and love it was, that stuff. And <laughs> Henry Mancini uh, did the score and was uh, right. For this and and also wrote the famous Pink Panther score and was right. a collaborator with Blake Edwards for their uh, their entire career. But it, w- the other cool thing, like we I think we talked pre-show about all the Pink Pink Panther movies that Blake Edwards did and right. all that stuff. But he also did some uh, later, he, and it was just on Turner Classic Movies the other night, and I watched like half an hour. Uh, but he did a movie like in '79 called Sob. Um, and it was about a producer played by Richard Mulligan, uh, who's trying a Hollywood producer is trying to commit suicide and all of his wacky friends around him trying to prevent him from doing that. Uh, and but it's the sort of the same like it's it's got the same energy. It's like so over the top and so wacky and doors are slamming and people are running up and down stairs and dude's slowly trying to hang himself throughout. You know, it's a very dark comedy. It's like melodrama farce. Melodrama farce. Yeah. And uh, and there's so much melodrama in this movie, especially in I mean, you begin with the boo hiss and the and all that kind of stuff. And it's set up like any of those melodramas. And then it subverts some subverts some things by not having her be this like damsel in distress and things, which is great. Um 
I do. I will say that that's the other thing about that character is the agency she has. Yeah. She's doing this, whether anybody fucking wants her to or not. She literally just walks in and says, I want this job. I'm going to go on this race. I'm going to go on this adventure. And then it's actually a good character. Like she's actually, you're right. Like she's got agency. It's well-written. I mean, there's a couple moments where you're like, Ooh, but it's yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And then she uses her female attractiveness to get things what she wants. Right. There's that. (laughs) Tony Curtis calls that out a time or two. Yeah. 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 You're using a feminine wiles <laughs> to get get a ride to the next to the next station, the next plot point, for sure. Um, I meant to tell this with my context, but just real quick, the first true theater I ever did was uh, this summer course called Green Apple Theater at my school, and only like six kids could do it every summer, so it was kind of coveted or whatever. But so I did it one summer and. Uh, it was that year they decided to do a melodrama. So we wrote a melodrama called Sunflower City. Hmm. And I was the villain Slick Salami Sam. Sure you were. <laughs> well, who I, a character and you, I created and you myself. Still, and you still are, my friend. You That's still. Right. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. That's exactly right. Um, and my sister, Ima Keeler. Okay. Uh, and then I had uh, my assistant, Gunshot Pete. Okay. Uh, and then there was the hero whose name was Sunny Day. And sure. then the uh the woman, uh the damsel is what we called her. Her name was uh Dora Jar. Um uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was, we're, we're was... gonna have to we're gonna have to ask you to step off the podcast for uh, a little bit. <laughs> I just wanna see a VHS of this. Yes, I have good. one. Oh yeah. yes! I have oh, one. Yeah. Um, it's quite great. I was in, I think, second or third grade. Oh my god! Um, and so I had only really even learned what melodrama was, and I had a teacher actually in third grade who had us do, you know, like I can't pay the rent. You must pay the rent. I can't pay the rent. I'll pay the rent. My hero, like this kind of stuff in, in performances, and we didn't get it. We didn't know what we were doing. But this teacher like really took us and like showed us like the like what melodrama is, and then she was also like, but here's like what farce melodrama is and she showed us like i love lucy episodes and like oh my god you had way cool it was awesome me growing up her name was mrs kirby she's uh sarah kirby she's also taught me piano uh and she's phenomenal anyway um guaranteed she doesn't listen to this podcast but uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah um green apple theater anyway sunflower city sunflower bank uh it was one of my favorite things i've ever done in my life and i i will find that i have a playbill for it somewhere in this you need to find the vhs and i need we should watch this as a group because i would love to see it we'll do a watch and we'll we'll live live stream it or something and talk about it um anyway that's all i wanted to say about that i forgot to say that at the beginning uh is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, I I have a few questions I wanted to ask. Um, can we talk about push the button, Max? <laughs> you keep saying push the button, Max. Push the button, Max. Yeah. Push the yes. button, Max. And it becomes yes. some sort of uh, metaphor, and then then I, I got dirty with it in my head. And what anyway. button are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand how any of that works. Uh, uh, I wrote. At some point, I wrote, "Is this about Conolingus?" And but it was just a random note, and um, so I'm going to say, "Yeah, it's about Conolingus." Everything yeah. should be about Conolingus, friends. Girl. I mean, it is in a way. Like I if guess. we're really breaking down the metaphor of like every great literature piece of literature, 
It's pretty much just about cunnilingus. <laughs> yeah, I can't, y'all can't see what Scott's doing right I'm now. I'm just doing it's... just weird, gross finger stuff. Gross. <laughs> um, um, it's gross two... if you do it wrong. That's Why true. do you have a can of WD-40 <laughs> right behind you? I was just looking at that. I was like, I'm like, like and, but it's like, it's out of place because it, it, we should describe that behind Bailey right now is a bookshelf with books and DVDs and uh, and then a can of WD-40. Which and right is, next to the can is a uh, makeup bag from, from Pose. Pose. The FX, FX show Pose that Pose. Uh, MJ Rodriguez left in her dressing room at the Playhouse, and so I she didn't want it back, so I now have a makeup bag from Pose on my bookshelf. Hot. Hot. Keepable, Hot. for sure. Uh, uh, I have two rando factoids about this about great race it better be good uh it went two times (laughs) over budget it was supposed to be six million and it was 12 million yeah oh yeah and then and then it did win an oscar in 1965 for best sound effects (laughs) hey (laughs) it won an oscar and had a cartoon made off of it those are the two highest honors that you can yeah yeah but for best sound when was the last time they gave out best sound sound effects (laughs) They, well, no, they, they do, do now. sound editing and they do sound design. Well, now. that's what I mean. Yeah. Right. When sound effects probably sound ended effects. when Foley died. Ten yeah, years. yeah. It was like. Yeah, because yeah, this was like boing type sound effects. There were no bones. Well, there were oh, yeah, boners in this. But couple boner pops. Yeah. A couple boner pops. I have a couple. I have a question. Or was there a second? Was that both of the. That was it. Those were okay. the two. That's great. I have a question. Yeah, uh-huh. You guys remember the character Frisbee? Yes. One of my favorite characters in the whole thing. Okay, did Frisbee die? Because at one point he falls out of the window after getting the pigeon, and then he never comes back. I, no, no, he comes back. He does come when? back. He wor- he's working for Vivian Vance later. Oh, I might yeah. have missed that. Yeah. When her husband is sent back. It's, it's you know, it's kind of in that hour of movie that maybe Got you it. necessarily <laughs> need. Because, well, yeah, her I, husband goes crazy. They send him to Happy Acres. I was really into the the frisbee uh, subplot, and when they were forcing him to go get the messages from the pigeons I was, <laughs> out the window, and then he just falls out the window, and she looks out and she goes, "Anyway," and like moves on. And I was just like, "Oh my god, he's dead!" And he's, then dead. <laughs> he's dead. He's dead. Listen, this is what all my assistant jobs have been like. So, this is, well, yeah, just trying to. Trying to get with the pigeons. Are you dead? No. Okay. <laughs> There's this one part where they're in a city. Um, I forget the name of the city. Like Baracco or something. They, they Baracho. 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 And uh, yeah. they just keep shooting their guns at everything. <laughs> that had me laughing. That yes. like, actually had me like rolling because the timing was really solid. Um, <laughs> I think there's this interesting part we should talk about because... I wrote, maybe you cut it, but also it's kind of, it kind of works. It's the part where all of the, you see all the Native Americans who are obviously white people. Yeah. And they're like on horseback, like shooting and stuff. And you're like, oh, this is so offensive. But then they're like, oh yeah, that's not actually a Native tribe. That's our um, police force. They do that as like a joke, as the welcome wagon to like bring people in. 
Right. You're right. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but well, also the big problem like, of Jack Lemon repeatedly calling them savages. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, and that's only stopped being a thing in the last, like, honestly, decade. I mean, have y'all watched Pocahontas lately? Ugh. Jesus Christ. That's a whole other thing. Well, we that's a Disneyfied problem, too, because that story is so fucked up. Of course. And yet it's treated like a... It's just like it's a love story, kind of. If between a thirteen-year-old and a grown man, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Disney never mind has... the rape and the yeah. right yes. and the smallpox, but you know, uh, but D Disney has does have a history of taking uh, horribly perverted things and perverting them back to happy family shows. Most specifically, the Lewis Carroll novel Alice in Wonderland, which is based off of one of the children that he liked to take pictures of naked. Yeah. yeah. So there's a whole movie. Happy Disney Day. There's a movie with Ian Holm. Uh, I think it's called Dreamcatcher. Yeah. Um, Dreamcatcher, the one about the poop weasels. No, I can't. I can't remember. I have to look it up. But it's there's uh, a movie called Dreamcatcher about poop weasels. But it's it's about Lewis Carroll and his relationship with her. But it Ooh. it it skirts around it. It doesn't really mm. deal with it. And Ew. I'm like, oh, you could have actually it's dealt like with it. It's like Finding Neverland, done. but with Alice in Wonderland instead uh, of Peter Pan. Uh, or something. Yeah, I know. Fuck that. It, yeah, what was the other one that came out? Oh, the Winnie the Pooh one with uh, Ewan McGregor playing Milne. Christopher yeah, yeah, Christopher, Christopher Robin. Robin but yeah, there yeah. was there was Christopher Robin, which was good, but they also made one with Domhnall Gleeson that was the guy who wrote Pooh. A.A. Milne. Yeah, that was that that was uh, sort of the Finding Neverland version of that. Yeah, there's a there and there there was one um, it was back called Hundred Acre Wood, I think, or something. Mm. Like that. Yeah. Right, and there was one back in the day about uh, L. Frank Baum who wrote Wizard of Oz. Right, and it, his life wasn't especially interesting. No, so it was like you know, like Oz. Do you guys know how Oz, the the world the name Oz was created? No, <laughs> no. It was it was the letters on uh, one of his filing cabinets. It went Jesus o, it went o, Christ! It went O to Z. And he's I like, love that. Oz. I mean, How the book. I love those books. I mean, yeah. growing up there, they are well written. He just wasn't especially. They're interesting. dark. They're dark, especially after the. Well, even the first one is dark, but like. Well, the Tin Man becomes the Tin Man because he has to keep. He gets cursed and he has to keep chopping off his own arms um, and limbs. Them with yeah. Tin. And then he's got a cousin. There's another tin. There's a tin soldier that shows up. And then there's Jesus. there's there's a group of flathead people that like like Ooh. try to murder and them. It tried to Princess murder Mumbe. them. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say I'm more of a fan of the Feruza Balk so uh, vehicle. Return to Oz. Return one to of Oz. truly one of the greatest films of all time. Films. The films of all time. <laughs> I loved that one when I was a kid, but it freaked me out. Oh, it's frightening, but it is so good. Yeah. And then I love the craft. I love the craft. Well, Fruzabog forever. <laughs> Waterboy. Uh, all of it. Uh, but yeah, what was this sure. episode about? Uh, <laughs> it's about whether or not Frisbee died is really what it's about. Um, you should write this spinoff and just call it Frisbee. Don't give anybody any context. Just write a story <laughs> about Frisbee. and Frisbee's What happens that day after work when he's got to go home? Can we like, get Vivian Vance? We can get Vivian Vance. Uh, she's, um, I think she's buried in... Um, Hollywood, Hollywood forever. forever. Yeah, I think she so. Is. Yeah. I think it's cool. I'll play Vivian Vance. 
Perfect. You can grind. Uh, can I? There's so there's that one song um, that what's her name sing. We talked about her earlier. Um, the sweetheart tree. Uh, yeah. The the well the hadna on swang on me sweetheart tree. Ooh, oh oh oh. Lily Olay. Hadna otna swang on me. Shouldn't yeah. have hadna yeah. otna swang, swang on me. me. Yeah. This is an interesting song because <laughs> it's so happy and everyone's like yeah everything is great but. The lyrics are so dark. She's talking about <laughs> especially how especially now, especially, especially now. now. But even so, here's a line. You ready? Yeah. All the men are hairy chested. All the women double breasted. Mm -hmm. We're ladylike until molested, and then we're on our own. <laughs> well, I mean, hashtag what? hashtag truth. Uh, it's, it's not lying. No, I actually everything she's saying, which actually kind of tracks with this movie and the suffragette stuff, is that everything she's saying, you're sort of like, whoa, yeah, yeah. But she's doing it as like this like burlesque number. Uh huh. To a group of men shooting their guns up in the air, like yeah, and you're just like, oh shit. And it's actually kind of a perverse moment. It's it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you see Lily Olay get shoved around quite a bit by her boyfriend, Texas Jack, later on in that scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. I said perverse. <laughs> I meant profound. It's very profound. Mm -hmm. I love that shit. Fuck yeah. What <laughs> else? What else, y'all? There's so, there's, there, I mean, we could walk through this whole movie. I think people need to watch it. This yes. is a watcher. Yeah, a I watcher think in the woods. I wrote uh, Jack Lemon's answer for lack of motivation is to do it loud and ignore everyone around him. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he does, and it just works. Like he's just like, <laughs> let's. Can we do a performance report for the top to the for the top four people? Yeah. Um. Let's start with let's. Cause I want to end with Lemon because I actually do want to know exactly like really how you would rank Lemon's performance because uh -huh. it's so interesting. But I actually want to know how you feel. Um. Let's start with Falk, one to ten. Peter Falk as Max. Oh, I'm going to give him an eight on this because I think he's yeah. just, he's like, he's just Hollywood contract actor 1965. He's yeah. got this gig and he's, he's going to do everything he can with it. And he does. And he does. Yeah. I give him like an 8.5. He's like really dialed in. He's, it's pre Columbo Falk. He's great. I love it. And also he becomes Muttley in the Hanna-Barbera. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Universe, absolutely. Which is great. Siege? Nine and a half. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Give it all. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Tony Curtis, Scott. Uh, here, Tony was was a little lower for me. I'll give him a seven because he's Tony Curtis. I just had seen him do other stuff better. Um, sure. And the character's kind of a dick. Uh, and I th maybe I'm also kind of responding to knowing about him being a bully to to Natalie Wood and not treating yeah. her good. Right. So, you know, I, I've, I saw him, I've seen him do better, but I'll, I'll give him a seven, seven, five. Uh, I give him like a 4.55 five because okay. I think there's better casting. I think yeah. like he's fine, but like, honestly, a more interesting casting for this is Dick Van Dyke. Oh yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I know that's chitty chitty, but I just kept thinking about him and just being like, I would care more if it was him. Yeah. I think I would even maybe buy more of the like back and forth misogyny kind of stuff with Natalie and maybe forgive it more when he really learns his lessons sort of by the end with Tony Curtis. I'm still like, yeah, you're still a you're probably a Trump supporter if you're alive today. You know, like, <laughs> that's kind of how I felt about it. But yes, but I'm also probably tinting it with feelings. Uh, Siege. Yeah. I'm going to say seven, seven and a half for him. And I'll give my explanation when we get to the end of this list. Cause <gasps> okay. Ooh. Okay. All right. Okay. Natalie Wood, Scott. 
uh, Natalie Wood. Uh, it's it's hard to rank. I'll I'll give her I'll give her a seven point five. I think she's miscast, but I think she she ends up just swinging for the fucking fences. Uh, yeah, in in what she does. Seven point five eight for me. She's um she's she's dialed in. She's having fun. She it's not like a great. And she's Natalie it's, fucking Wood. She's, she's Natalie Nat- Wood. She's doing great things. I liked watching her face the whole time. She's got such an awesome, like, expression-filled face. I love it. Yeah. Expressive face. I'm going to say eight. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just solid. Like, she's just, she's fucking Natalie Wood. Also uh, considering, again, like, knowing the fucking bullshit she was going through on set as well. And the fact yeah. that, like, you don't, you don't see it. Right. On camera. And, like, how many... Uh, you know, I imagine how many days of shooting where she was the only woman around. She's and like, also in old timey underwear the whole time. Yeah. You know, um, so kudos. Yeah. Jack the Jack Lemon. I, I'm going to give him a nine just for just going <laughs> ape shit. Like there's 500 things that are that Jack, Jack Lemon is, you know, fantastic at you know because he's one of those he's like a tom hanks where his career going back and forth between comedy and drama is insane and he's throughout his career there are these moments these movies that come up where he just misses or he's not quite cast well and he just sort of just goes balls out because yeah. that's what he does. And I, I admire that. And I, I, not a lot of actors do that anymore. Jim Carrey is somebody I think of that, that kind of does that. It's like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to rev it up and let's sure see how it goes. But yeah, nine, nine. Um, so as professor fate, I'm going to give him like a seven. Okay. Because, I think he's doing great. Th- well, I'll no, I'll give him like an eight. I'll give him like an eight, seven point nine five, because he is he is doing some really fun things, and I think other people are not meeting him in this movie, and that's why it like almost the, sticks out in a bad fair way. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. But as the other dude, which is the part I would honestly cut, but the acting stuff that he's choosing, it's eleven good. for me. <laughs> all the way out the window like i truly was just like what the fuck are you doing he's like Jack? it's like it's he's almost like tom holson in amadeus you know right at the beginning just ah, the cackle and well yeah. and he's having to play three characters he's playing professor fate he's playing the prince and then he's playing professor P- fate playing the prince playing the prince right right and there's some of those things that are real where you're really like fuck jack lemon is, is a genius yeah mm-hmm. this really works so yeah i mean so like the average of those like I guess it's probably like a nine, you know, for me, it's a 10. And it's because ever since I, from the first time I have seen this movie, both of those characters have completely stuck with me. And I Mm. love both of them separately and together. That's awesome. Of course. And I, uh, all of my, all of my scores are high because I'm, I'm totally impartial or totally partial to this movie. Is that the right word? I love this You're movie. You're nostalgic for it in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah, no, it's, it's one it's, of those ones, yeah. Sure, but it's also, it is a movie that is for character actors, yeah. which is why I think Peter Falk and Jack Lemmon, they get to do the more fun things and they do a better job at it. I guess it's everyone also why is Tony a character. Curtis doesn't work. Yeah. Right. 
because yeah, Tony he's Curtis to play is a movie straight. star. Tony Curtis is a movie star. Right. And there are times where he does, you know, the big slapstick, like some like it hot with also with Jack Lemon. They're both great in that. But like Jack Lemon does the better acting in that. Hmm. Yeah. Curtis is a movie star and he's awesome. He gave us Jamie Lee Curtis. So how <laughs> bad can he be? That's right. <laughs> we love her. The original <laughs> Scream Queen. The original Scream Queen. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, but this movie, it was a blast. It was fun to watch and 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 silly and it totally. This is great. Yeah. Thanks for indulging me, guys. It's oh, not absolutely no, to great. share something that you love a whole bunch with people that you love a whole bunch. I yeah. also kept thinking like maybe not because it would have to be so massive. There's an interesting way to do like a huge stage version of this. <laughs> well, if yeah, they can do Chitty Chitty, they can do this. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. Um like can, some sort of, yeah, a big musical. Do that'd be cool. Listen, Ragtime put a Model T on stage. That's right. That's we right. just need eight old-timey cars. Yeah, we need a whole lot more musical numbers probably. than That's true. Uh, but no, this is great. This is great. Thanks. Um, I'm going to say this on the, ne on the next podcast too, but because we're talking about musical writing and, and things like that, I'm going to say this on the next episode too. We totally, I was talking about Alan Silvestri, Silvestri on the last episode because of the Back yeah, to the Future yes, thing. Yes, yes. He also wrote all of the scores to all of the Avengers movies. He wrote the theme for the Avengers and he wrote the theme for Captain America. Captain America. America. So like, I don't know why I didn't even think of those things when we were Well, talking. it's funny because while we were having that conversation in the last episode, I, I went and I looked it up and then I was like, oh, duh. And like, as I turned to as I turned into the mic to say something, whatever digression happened at that point, and then I totally lost it and never yeah. brought it back. Um, yeah. I got a hot take then because I we just recent Leggett and I remotely did a complete watch through of all of the Marvel right. movies, and it took us what it took us like three or four months, I think. Um, uh, that was maybe how I then. started my pandemic. That was right, my, uh, right, right, right. Um, um I, I, I say, yeah, his music forgettable i mean it's yeah. not like it's not like it's not like the, a john williams for indiana no. jones or star Wars. they don't have themes that i personally recall and they I've don't until avengers Endgame. like i i don't like i could i could never pick any one of them out of a line like if you played them i'd be like i don't know which one that is but when they happen in Endgame, every time you like see someone and it's like dun, 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 you're like yeah like okay. i know that that's their theme but i agree they're not i couldn't sing you the captain america theme right now. i got into a huge fight back in the day <laughs> i think after the first avengers came out because i said the exact same thing i'm like this theme doesn't doesn't resonate for me yeah but it slowly uh it slowly builds its way into it especially at the very end of end game yeah like i still get chills when you know cap on on your on your left uh, yeah and and the whole thing blows up and everybody comes back and it's, i yeah. mean those movies do plenty of other things really well so agreed yeah yeah, yeah guys yeah. we gotta do a maybe we should ask the audience but like we gotta do a marvel talk through right like that's yeah. Well, we had it on our list uh, yeah. and, and we, we pushed it aside, but let's do, we'll do a future in stuff where we okay. rank and talk through them. Um, I have some strong opinions. Break but... it up. What? We might break it up. Yeah. There's maybe. so many movies. We though. can make it its own it miniseries. Yeah. We can break it into phases. We could do all the phases. Mm -hmm. The That'd first three phases. Oh yeah. yeah. I got shit to say. Yeah. For sure. 
And then on yeah. Wednesday, the new Loki show starts. That's right. Yeah, oh, I fuck. I that. haven't seen any of these shows. You haven't seen WandaVision yet, CJ. I know. You WandaVision dig it the good. most. <laughs> WandaVision is good, and CJ will love it. I'm sure but, I will. I just but haven't. Falcon and the Win Winter Soldier is the best thing Marvel's done yet. <laughs> like that's not true but it's like <laughs> it's it's great because you're just allowed time more time yeah. with each individual character which you don't get and i think that that's going to be the brilliant thing of these of these little series best i meant the best uh tv thing marvel has done yet is what i meant I oh but for sure i didn't mean of all the movies that's fucking silly um i'm excited to rank those with you guys though uh yeah. is there anything else we want to say about great race do you have a final word on it siege Everyone should go watch it. It's just good yeah. and fun. Well, the great and the other great thing about it is if you have kids, like even young kids, although the attention span might take a while, but <laughs> uh, it's just you can gather the family around. Like it's a it's a good like we're gonna get popcorn and we're gonna sit around with the family and we're gonna watch this wackiness and laugh. Yeah, and it's like two ninety nine or something on Amazon or Google and the, or iTunes or any other things, and then I. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. I think that's where I watched it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just bought um, it on Apple because I'm like, I need this. Yeah, maybe I did rent it. I don't remember. I rent so much shit. I watched so many movies, guys. What the fuck? Listen, I'm writing them all off. So that's true. Ah. That's legit. For the pod. For the pod. Um, all <laughs> right. Because of all the money we're making? From, are, you yeah. Two, are you Yeah. Are you two I making money from house. this? Go subscribe to our Patreon that Scott isn't on. And, what? Uh, what? It's called Give CJ and Daily Money. You guys have a yeah. Patreon? <laughs> we just talked about you. People just listen to us talk about you. Um, but I think that's it, right? We're good? Yeah. We're great. That's awesome. it. Yeah, that was a fun one. Well, fun one. thank you all, all you nerds, for joining us for theater, theater, and stuff. Join us again next week as we begin our mini-series on Yasmina Reza, Pod of Carnage. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good one. We'll be covering her evolution through three of her works, The Unexpected Man, mm -hmm. Art, mm -hmm. and God of Carnage. What? Yes. So check those <laughs> three out. Read them if you have time. Uh, if not, it's cool because we're just going to talk about them and nerd out, and then it might inspire you to go read them. Uh, and then our next and stuff is a Bailey pick. Uh, I've decided I want to do theater nightmares. All right. And that doesn't. So I'm going to need some help from the listeners and from you two as well. I want people to like DM us, send us on Instagram, Twitter, anything like that, uh, a theater nightmare that has happened to you. And I'm not talking about dreams. I'm talking about real life nightmare situations that have happened Oof. with Where stories. Where it all behind. falls apart. Exactly. <laughs> so I think each of us maybe will tell one or two, and then I'd love to be able to read a few uh, from our DMs. So hit us up. And, and 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 let us know those theater nightmares. We will read them and shout you out. Yes. See you. Uh, do y'all have questions or comments? Do you have additions to what we're saying or corrections? Or yes, we're asking you now. We'd love your content. Please send it to us. You can email us. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Scott? Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our special in stuff 
theme song. She is amazing. She contributes to every episode, but she specifically wrote the theme song for our In Stuff episodes. Also, a big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our regular theme song, which you're about to hear. Uh, Ryan is one of the best. He also writes all of our stingers, which we love, love, love. Uh, finally, yeah. a big shout out to the Pulitzer Prize winning genius who writes our podcast every week, and she doesn't even know it. The great Annie Baker. Annie Baker, thank you for writing our podcast. One day soon, now that everybody's getting vaccinated and you should get vaccinated, we're all going to have a beer with Annie Baker. What if Annie Baker's an anti-vaxxer? <laughs> she probably is. Oh, that's all we need. Annie Baker, if anybody knows any Annie Baker out there, like, come on. I don't think she's on Twitter. Sorry, I totally ruined the flow. No, not it's at all. fine. Holland Taylor doesn't believe in the vax. I'm just gonna say that. Uh, um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> fuck. All right, we love you guys. <laughs> Go get vaccinated. Um, it doesn't make you a sheep. It makes you a good fucking moral person. So just do it. Um. Okay. Bye. Love. Peace. Yes. Oh, there it is. It's okay. The thing is, is your face is what's really sad. <laughs> and they can't see our face. Later, everybody. Bye. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater.